Welcome back to Howl History. Derek and Chad here with you once again. It is the lead up to the trade deadline, and we're going to throw some trades at you that we've come up with. Chad, how's it going? Good. How about that team last night? Mm -hmm. They are just pleasing. Pleasing to watch. I (sighs) I don't know what to say about them at this point. I mean, the team doesn't know what to say about themselves at this point. They all seem just... Pretty dejected, yeah. yeah. They're all frustrated, almost like... They all feel like they, they all felt like they all wanted out, you know, you know, out of the situation, mm-hmm. honestly, out of the team. But and yet there was like not any really accountability outside of coach. You know, yeah, coach I mean, Finch. Coach Finch is saying the right things. It's yeah, just a matter of whether or not he can implement like, anything. Is that also just because he hasn't been worn down yet? Right. You know, because he's only we've he's heard the, lots of coaches say the right things when they start. And then yeah, they, well, and, and to be fair to Saunders, he never didn't say the right thing, at least in terms of staying positive and all that like he was um not as big on the accountability side mm-hmm. of things that's what finch has been so far but in terms of um not giving up and not like sort of being at with that what worries me that <laughs> by finch's comments last night is like man what's his attitude going to be by the 36 games right. from now because <laughs> if the the on-court product continues to be as putrid as it's been you know he he may be he may give up like I, you know, I mean the only hope that you can take right now is that seeing these guys every single day if it continues to be as bad as it is that he has more of a say with Rosas in terms of talent evaluation and roster building moving forward than Ryan did it felt like Ryan just got what Rosas wanted you know, for sure he yeah. did yeah and I do I think that's true I think he probably does have more just because I think Rosas trusts him more because they've had you know uh, history together and stuff but at the same time you're you're getting to a point as well find out with our tra- trade scenarios <laughs> that you may be in a spot where it's too difficult to make the moves that you want to make, you know, because, yep. um, you don't have you the know, shine on some of these players that you hoped you know you have, you're, you're sort of stuck. D'Lo at this point is virtually untradeable. Mm-hmm. Towns is untradeable. If you're going to be in this for this regime, because if they trade them, that regime's out, right? Like yep. there's, you're admitting defeat and you're, you know, you're done. Um, so, you take those two away, you have a bunch of really small contracts and a, a couple mid-sized contracts that nobody would want other than Malik Beasley probably. Um, so I don't, you're, you're sort of put in a spot where, what do you really, how do you really put that puzzle together? So, I mean, that's sort of our exercise for tonight is figure out how do you do that? But, you know, <laughs> Finch is, I think Finch is quickly going to realize, wow, if I can't get more out of the guys than what mm-hmm. Ryan Saunders got, I'm in a bad way here because I don't have the chips to go and get, you know, a five star um, with the guys that are left. Yeah, that third star isn't looking very possible right now with the the value that they have on this team to to offer up. You're banking on D'Lo becoming D'Lo Brooklyn Mm -hmm. or Beasley taking yet more steps, which is sort of unfair because he's been yeah, you know, spectacular this year, or or Ant becoming you know, a superstar player at 20, 21 years old, because it has to happen pretty fast before you blow it up. So, I, I mean, you probably came and wait till he's 21. It has to probably happen next year because I, I think if you have another year like this year, everybody's gone. Right. I mean, so, the only way that you could even approach another team, even if there was a disgruntled player that might be made available at this point is if you came in with Malik and uh, Edwards in an offer, mm-hmm. And you started with that, and that gives you around $24 million in salary, so you could really bring back anybody you wanted, especially somebody young. But you have to 
be 100% positive that Towns and D'Lo are your two first stars in order to make a move like that. And right. that, I don't know how you could say that right now. Yeah, because you may need Ant's rookie salary, and you may have to just cross your fingers that he becomes what you think he can, be, yeah. and cross your fingers because you need that salary to be small to be able to round up a roster of competent players around D'Lo and, and Cap because they have so many holes or mm-hmm. – or, um, I, you know, I don't want to say Cat has holes because I wouldn't describe his as holes, but he's not that superstar carry it out the load on his shoulders himself guy. No, he's that, I mean, at this point, we just we've seen he's not contributing to winning. I mean, we've no. talked all this the whole year with through his injuries and his covid that, you know, you get towns back in and it's going to show what this team was built to do. And I know that Russell's out, but nobody else has turned it around tremendously since towns came back in and they no. just they continue to lose. They've lost nine in a row now and it's just. There's no good out there. Yeah. I mean, and you know, I still hold on a little bit of the, and I know you tweeted about it last night too, but the, um, the fact that they're still not finding ways to get the ball through Towns. Mm-hmm. So while we can say, yeah, Towns just hasn't been that superstar. Well, the team hasn't treated him like that either. It, it, the teammates, um, you know, they, it, we, you know, I think Finch is doing a little bit better job of trying to establish a pecking order. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause did a Kogi even play last night? Cause I don't remember him on the court, but I know he didn't start, Lehman started, but um, his role has certainly diminished from the game before when he started. Yeah. Um, and that might be just temporary, as Finch keeps saying, that he's just trying to tinker with you know lineups to try to figure out what each guy can do. Um, but I, I, I've said multiple times on on this podcast that you know I, it drives me crazy that Kogi has the same green light to shoot that yeah. Talents has, and that like that is inconceivable to me, that you have this guy who's a once-in-a-generation talent on the offensive end and he has nights where he has 10 or 12 shots, which is right there with guys like Okogi mm-hmm. having 10 or 12, you know, it's like that just shouldn't be happening. And it happens almost on a nightly basis, not cat versus Okogi, but cat versus other lesser tier guys. Like cat should be getting on this team, 30 or 40 shots. I mean, yeah, that's, I mean, kind of, at this point, exactly. Yeah. Um, especially with Beasley out, um, and Russell. And Russell, right. out. yeah. So I mean, if they're back, yeah, then you know you you want them still around twenty shots. Um, but I mean, he should be putting up fifty point monster nights right now because everything should be going through him. Like everybody else should only be shooting when they get a rebound or like a wide open, you know, like pass from Cat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah, I know Coach Finch has said that he likes the Cat and Vanderbilt m- lineup, you know, up front, but they just need to get more shooting around it. I just don't know, don't know where that's going to come from out of this lineup. They don't no. have shooters left. They don't. No, I mean, it's that square, that square peg round hole thing again with Rosas of like, nope, this is the system you're going to play. And don't look at me about getting you the guys that fit that system. I mean, th- this is where the heats, he's got to take some of the blame. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he scapegoats Saunders. Uh, I, I, you know, you hear Rosas talk and it, it sounds good when you're listening to it, but then do what you say, because right. what you're doing is not, either you're not capable of identifying shooters or you're not capable of acquiring shooters. Mm-hmm. But that falls on you. That doesn't fall. There's no coach should have to come in at the pro level and teach a guy how to shoot. Like that's just use the guys for what they're, they do. Right. Like it, it's, it's frustrating. I mean, this happens in pro sports at, at every sport where you have these guys come in and just say, yep, this it, we're a system team and the players have to conform to the system, yeah. you know, because you, you know, what's going to happen. One of these young guys, Culver, I'm down on Culver, but I could very well see us, shopping them for peanuts mm-hmm. and then him going on and having 
a really nice career someplace else because we just were trying to force him to do something he's not good at. Yeah. We've seen it with Ricky. We know what Ricky can do on other teams. He can contribute to winning. He has his entire career at different levels, but you bring him in here this year in this system. I mean, it's not what I sort of signed up for when I was excited about that <laughs> trade on draft. But I was signing up for old Ricky, like a change of pace point guard, mm-hmm. you know, to D'Lo that he would come off the bench. I was fine with that. But he would come out and he'd come out with the young guys like Okogie and Culver and and just get up and down the court running, you know, and he, let him help those guys develop their offensive game by getting them shots in the right place. And the the system has been, no, you're going to play the same way D'Lo is playing. And it's not even D'Lo's game. D'Lo's a mid-range right. guy. He's not even, a, you know, uh, he's a half-court It's just, it's that's where like where it's not making sense. The stuff that Rosa says, while it sounds good, doesn't make sense when you see the, the the bets he's made on the players he's brought in. Other than Malik Beasley, that's been the one um, free agent or trade type player that he brought in. You know, the draft picks. I'm still very high on McDaniel's and and uh, Edwards and you know the the guys they got last year. You know, the undrafted guys like you know Nas and Noel mm-hmm. and um, Culver was the one swing and a miss. Right. Draft pick yeah. for me so far. But the uh, but the the trades and the signings are sort of peculiar because going all the way back to last year, the Jordan Bells of the world that you're like, OK, well, Jordan Bell, he's got some skills that you could use next to Towns. And then you bring yeah. him in and you don't use them for use any of those skills. Yeah. Right. That's just. Yeah. You know, I was listening to the Zach Lowe podcast with Brian Scalabrini where they're talking about the Celtics and, and Scal was just talking about how. You watch some of the teams around the league, especially the really good teams, and it feels like they're getting open shot after open shot because their offense is built in a way where they know where each other are going to be and they bend the defense and they find somebody open and they move the ball. And the, you were talking in context of the Celtics where it's like they've got Jalen Brown and they have um, Tatum. Tatum, yep. And both, but both of them are built to just kind of have the the playoff mode. We're going to take you one-on-one. We're going to try to just do our thing and it's hard to, to look at a team that has two young cornerstones at the wing who are awesome players and not think this is a really good offensive team but they just he was saying that they don't get a lot of easy shots everything is contested everything is a, is, a, is a difficult shot and I was thinking like I don't know the last time I've seen an easy shot for the Timberwolves yeah like maybe I take it back they might get one quarter a game where things seem to be falling and guys seem to be getting open but it's usually because Ant you know, takes two jab steps and then happens to make his three. Or, you know, Ricky is, you know, flings a pass through a couple people and he's actually moving the ball. But it it doesn't last. It doesn't sustain. And the only thing that we've ever seen consistently work for the Timberwolves in terms of getting open shots is finding towns with space. And they've really gone away from that this year. And it's just so surprising after how successful it was last season even under Coach Saunders and trying to make him that alpha dog offensive player, getting up nine three-pointers a game, playing out in the perimeter. It was while he was healthy for that first part of the year, he was going gangbusters, and they just completely went away from this from it this year. So I'm really interested to see what Coach Finch does out of the all-star break. He's Like we said, he's saying all the right things. He said he's going to shorten his rotation if he doesn't if he feel like guys are ready to play. He's going to try to implement a new offense, a new defense, new rotations, and we'll just see a new team coming out so i don't know what that means i don't know if it's going to be any different than the last 31 years of timberwolves basketball because we've heard all these same things before but uh for now i've got the uh the infamous wally zerbiak jersey on i've got my uh msp city version uh 
cup, my souvenir <laughs> cup from the Target Center last year, and I'm I'm ready to rock some fake trades. You ready? I I don't have uh I guess I do have I have some uh Timberwolves Rick Adelman era shorts, but nice. that's the only Wolves Wolves related thing I'm wearing right now. <laughs> I don't just, yeah. The the Wally Zerbeck jersey I have doesn't have the trees on it. It's it's that era, but no trees. So Yeah, that yeah. Yeah. So all right. So do you, you've got more than I do. So why don't you uh let's start with the least number of players and work our way up to the most number of players. So do you have any one for one two player trades? Um I don't ha- I have um I do have a one for one, I guess. Um, and it's not one that I'm uh, real bullish on, on thinking that it'll happen. It's more this is more me being selfish because it's the guy I wanna I think is the odd man out here to get rid of, and it's for a guy I really like. And it's um, Jarrett Culver to Atlanta for DeAndre Hunter, and I know we're gonna have to give up other compensation, whether that's um, you know other pick, another pick somewhere down the line, or um, other. You know, I don't know. Maybe they like Bolomaro and they want the rights to hand. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what that, like I said, this isn't a one that's real conceivable right. in the way I put it together. But, um, and it's my first note on why I said, okay, this won't work straight up. I, I still try to figure out what else would be in that package. And I, frankly, I didn't spend much more time on it than this because I, I know it's more of a pipe dream. But Atlanta has a lot of wing players. Mm-hmm. You know, they're all kind of the same. Okongwu, Reddish, Hunter. Um, you know, and it's the, the Culver at least gives them a guy that's more shooting guard than small forward. Or you know, in that tweener three four position, Culver is yeah. more legit one two. Like he might actually be a decent complement to uh, Trey Young, who is sort of a ball hog, just mm-hmm. chucks up shots. You know, I mean, he gets assists because there's not a lot of other guys that can handle the ball and pass the ball on that team. So Culver could kind of come in as a second ball handler, be that defensive guy in the backcourt with Trey. You know, I like that matchup. Now I'm not saying I like it enough if I'm Atlanta to give up DeAndre Hunter right. straight up, but um, yeah, so that's... I, I looked up Atlanta a little bit. I would say that if, if anything, they're more interested in moving Cam Reddish at this point because he's kind of stagnated this year. Um, and that they've actually had a successful record when Hunter has been on the floor. And then, I mean, Obviously, they're, they're looking to move Rondo in the the year left after this one on his contract, but I don't see how that would make any sense for Minnesota unless you just unless Finch goes in and says I just need more veterans. But why would that? Why would a disengaged Rondo be any better than Ricky Rubio at this point? And so, why would you even want more veterans yeah. with thirty five or whatever games left yeah. on a season where you're already in last place? I mean, so I mean, we've looked at I looked at Atlanta a lot because there was a report today from Shams in the Athletic. Um, that the Timberwolves are looking at John Collins and Aaron Gordon as potential power forward trade targets, which, I mean, they're they're not new names or names names that we've heard about or looked at all year, just because they are potentially available. But I just I I'm having a hard time coming up with a way to make the money work on either of them. I mean, Collins is making less than five million a year, and he's going to be up for an extension at the end of the year. So I don't know what we could offer that is in that salary range without attaching a pick that would make anything work for John Collins. So I don't know yeah. if you came up with anything, but that, that one was just almost impossible for me. Well, they have, um, they're kind of the opposite of us, right? Where they're like the team with a bunch of small contracts mm-hmm. or, you know, not as small, like not minimums, but like, you know, in that three to $7 million range. And we have, you know, either your 25 million or your 1.6 million. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's, uh, you know, kind of funny that way, but I, I mean, I, and I, 
I don't remember if I checked this one, but I, I threw out Beasley and Culver for, and I'm blanking on who that, it was Collins and Hunter and somebody, but it's like there was too many good players coming back. Mm-hmm. And we, they're, they're, they don't even have enough bad contracts to unload on us. And right. You can't take somebody back with Collins that makes the money work. You know, the right. only guy they have is Tony Snell at $12 million, but he's also an expiring. So it doesn't make a whole lot of sense exactly. for them to, to make that deal. It doesn't save them anything. So, I mean, and then you throw Rondo and Collins in the same deal and you're still only at, you know, $13, $12, 13000000 million. So if you want to trade Beasley for Collins and Rondo and then pay Collins over $20 million next year and then still have Rondo on the books, I suppose you could, but I just don't see how that really fixes a whole lot. Yeah, I mean, and and then you still have to also, you know, come to terms with are, are you going to be a team that John Collins wants to resign at, mm-hmm. you know? I'm, I, I think ultimately the money is going to be what what matters to him. But even then, it's you know it's like I, that's the one reason why I think that they may be willing to part with Collins if they just knew we, we got to get something for him now because yeah. the clock's ticking. We only have the next few weeks before the trade deadline to get anything for him if we're not going to resign him. So yeah, maybe the asking price comes down the closer we get to the the deadline and and it does become doable without having to give up one of your prime assets, mm-hmm. which is really Ant. That's it. Right. Ant and Beasley at this point, but Beasley doesn't even work as you pointed out because how little Collins makes. So Yeah, I mean, and it, then everybody else, as you mentioned, is under $2 million that they'd want. Right. So you'd have to throw McDaniels and Nas in the trade and or Vanderbilt and McDaniels. And it's like, I just don't know how, with the age of this team and the, how bad they are right now, I mean, maybe Collins is that third star that Rosas is looking for or the fourth piece along with Beasley, but oof to give up your only cheap long-term pieces would be a tough pill to swallow. Yeah. I mean, and you're really, you're really handicapping it for the next guy that Mm -hmm. takes over. Yeah. (laughs) Because I'm afraid that's, what's going to happen. It's like, you know, they may, this is their last chance, right? The, The wolves. Yeah. Because they've already, they, they swapped out nine guys last year. They only have a couple more guys. I mean, you know, Tones doesn't go anywhere. So um, until he demands. Out. Right. Right. But right now you're not trying to shop him. And so at that point, you know, like this is your last move. And if you make a move like that, you probably, you know, hurry your, your job being terminated because mm-hmm. um, you're going to have. I think Collins is a really good player, and I think he would help this team tremendously. But you're also, in order to get him, you're giving up guys that you're you're not giving up the guys that aren't doing anything for you. You're giving right. up all, the only other com- contributors to this current team, so it it gets tricky really fast. Well, and the players you'd need to include if you ever do want to make a star offer for somebody else. So, yeah, it's I don't I just don't see that one happening. Um, I know the rumors, and I would be surprised if it does. I just with the amount that he's making, it doesn't make sense to me. So. Uh, that was so. That was a one for one. Uh, let's see. Where does my first one fall? I have a two for two. Do you have any with three players, or do you jump up to four? Um, I do have three players. This one's also kind of a. Um, I'm cheating a little bit. It's two players, and then the rights to Bull Marl. Okay. And this is also one of my other. This this trade's not one. Uh, this one I think is feasible, but it's one I, I'm not super excited about it anymore. Um, and it's Jake Lehman, Ed Davis, and the rights to Bull Marl, or maybe a second round pick. For PJ Tucker. Okay. Um, and I was just trying to come up with enough that maybe Houston would do it. Like, I think Houston's going to be very quickly here in a rebuild. 
Um, I think Jake Lehman and Ed Davis are very solid players for how much they make. I mean, we saw it last night. Lehman was one of the few guys that was performing. You know, um, he's not doing much other than scoring for you, but he at least looks alert out there and, you know, he's not making some of the mistakes the rest of the team's making, even if he's limited on what else he can do besides score. Mm -hmm. Um, But at this point, what does P.J. Tucker really do for this team? I mean, I do think the biggest problem for this team right now, besides experience, is we don't have anybody that cares about winning enough. You know, even Towns, to a certain extent, still is like, especially now, I mean, and I'm not questioning his his, uh, reasons, but, you know, through the year he's had, I mean, he's even said one of the reasons why he doesn't argue with refs is because now – Basketball doesn't seem as important right. anymore. Yeah. And I think so. I also think winning's not the most important thing to him anymore. And or maybe ever was. I mean, he's certainly not a KG like competitor mm-hmm. or or even Jimmy Butler. And that's why part of the reason why him and Butler didn't get along. And we need not somebody necessarily like Butler, but we need somebody who just cares about winning. Like I Chris Paul would have been fantastic right. here. Um and I think PJ Tucker cares, but is he I don't know that his talent and his, his caring about winning mm-hmm. is enough to overcome what the rest of this team will right. do to him. The gap I mean, they'll, that, yeah. yeah, they'll bring him down before he brings them up. Well, and I, I know think. he's looking for a contract extension too, but is the money enough for him to really be engaged on a, on a bottom dweller, a seller dweller? Right. You know, so right. I have, have to overpay yeah. him in order to, to yeah. make him happy. I, I have a trade with PJ Tucker in it too. Um, okay. So I have, this is, this is a two-tiered trade. It's a... Let's take a look at the possible talent fit, and then a. It's also a. Let's try to clear some of the the money deck, um, moving into next year, so that we're not driving into the luxury tax for for years to come on a a crappy team. So, um, I'm actually getting PJ Tucker and Victor Oladipo for Ricky Rubio and Malik Beasley, and I know. I mean, at this point, Malik Beasley is the best player out of those four, um, but Oladipo and Tucker are both expiring and. Honestly, I just don't know how far a team with, as much as I love Beasley, I don't know how far a team with Russell, Beasley, and Towns as the three best players can go if none of them can defend. And you have to try to find a way to have another wing out there. I mean, at least until Edwards grows into himself and learns how to play defense, that can be more of a two-way player. And it's not Oladipo as much right now. He hasn't been the player that we saw pre-injury yet. Um, And even in Houston, he hasn't been you know, close to his all-star self, but if you can just get a, a trial run with him and see if you can find it a little bit to be kind of a, a, a Beasley light on offense, but also a, a lockdown defender that he has a reputation of being, give him a trial run there. And if it just doesn't work out, then you let, you know, $29 million walk out and you walk out the door at the end of the season, you just kind of re, re, reset. So um, that was, that was my thinking there. I don't, I don't think it makes the Timberwolves better immediately. Um, but I do think it's two veterans that could come in and, at least be voices in the room. Not not that Ricky isn't, but Ricky's just not happy at this point, and that just is shining through everything. So, well, I think Oladipo fits what Rosas wants, right? I mean, he can shoot, he can be a secondary ball handler mm-hmm. to D'Lo when he's playing, which I don't necessarily like Beasley in that role. Um, right. I like him more as just a straight up scorer. But um, I, Oladipo, I would feel a lot better about in that sort of role. But yeah, I, you know, you're. I don't know what like what the money looks like with letting Oladipo walk. Like, how much does that actually gain you? I mean, you almost have to do a sign-in trade then to 
to whatever team you go. It's kind of do what. Um, Get something back. Yeah, like what Golden State did with Durant mm-hmm. to, to Brooklyn. And just so that um, you can help Oladipo facilitate a deal elsewhere. Right. And get something of value back just so that you're not. Because I don't think you're going to be. seconds. But yeah, yeah, I hear you. Yeah. Yeah, a couple seconds and maybe like uh, another expiring mm-hmm. or just the trade exception that you can use later on to acquire another bigger salary because the Wolves will be sort of stuck on being able to acquire that other that third salary if they let them walk because they won't won't have enough for another. No, they won't be able to go day. sign somebody. It, yeah, it'll just right. be a matter of you know what does this team look like with a player like that at shooting guard and. I, I still want Malik on this team, and I want him to continue to succeed because he's the he's been the second best player on the team so far this year, and he he deserves to get every chance he has, and he's on a team friendly contract, but he's really the only valuable trade ship we have. And if you're going to go to Houston, you're going to I mean I know Houston has the risk of losing Oladipo for nothing because he's turned down contract extensions of twenty five twenty six million dollars a year, and they're at risk of losing PJ Tucker too. So it's not like they can expect a whole lot, but Minnesota doesn't have a ton of value to offer if you're not including picks. So, um, mm-hmm. so I thought it was you know it's just kind of a a shuffle the deck, try to get a view of what this team could look like in a different way, and if even if it goes south, you really just get to clear a bunch of money and you you get far far away from that luxury tax line moving forward, which is where a team of this success rate should be. Right, right. So not not something that I would be jumping up and down if it if they pulled it off, but. Just an idea for it. It's more of a money thing. Who are we kidding? We could talk ourselves into any of these. Oh, we could. If, yeah. if the Wolves pulled them, we, we'd be excited somehow that night. <laughs> well, we were excited when they traded for Ricky Rubio back. So we were. Yep. Yeah. All right. What do you got next? Um, so let's I had see. four players in that one. You have four? I, I have four players in this next deal. Um, so this is the first one I came up with, and it's sort of tied to. Uh, uh, Coach Finch, and it is trading Ricky Rubio, Jarrett Culver, and Ed Davis for Kyle Lowry. Okay. Um, and it kind of hinges on the fact that Toronto is not likely to bring Lowry back, anyways. And for them, then they get you know Rubio adds some temporary value to them. I think Rubio would probably do a lot better there than he's doing here. Well, then there uh, was a report this week that they're interested in Rubio if oh. Lowry were to be traded. Well, see, and I did mm-hmm. this one last week, right? So. Maybe I started that rumor, um, <laughs> <laughs> but then and Culver gives them a, a young another young piece, and Toronto has a has a way of getting the most out of their young players. You know mm-hmm. they've got Fred Van Vliet turned out to be a stud for them, Siakam, like all these guys that other teams now they got Boucher and all these other these guys that other teams sort of gave up on and and they figured it out. So I think Culver could be somebody that they'd be like, hey, we get Ricky Rubio who's like a, a guy we can count on yep. to replace Lowry. And we get a young guy that we can see what we do. Davis is probably a guy they probably just wave. I mean, I know he mm-hmm. played there before and stuff, but they don't really need another big man right now. Um, so they probably just wave him. It's just to make the salaries work. And then Lowry, what, what's in it for him is, you know, he come here. I don't know how close he was to Finch. They were only together this half a season or whatever, but um, he knows the system in, in Toronto. He knows how to win. He cares about winning. I think he'll on his own, own figure out a way to win a handful more games than what we have won so far like if he was on the team from the beginning of this year mm-hmm. i just think his experience would find a way to win now do i want to lock him up long term no but we may not have a choice because i just i don't know how you get over this without bringing in a i was trying to find without like, overpaying somebody 
Right. Yeah. What is our Chris Paul type move that we can make? Yeah. That like Phoenix made. And to, to bring in a veteran who's, you know, he's not going to be the long-term plans by the time you probably hit, mm-hmm. a, you know, contender status. If let's just assume that we can hit that status someday. I right now I'm just focused on like, how do we get back to the playoffs? Yeah. And I think a guy like Kyle Lowry with, you know, you keep your rest of your core together, then you still have D'Lo and Beasley and Cat and all your young guys and Ant and um, McDaniels and all those guys. So I think Lowry, you, you would have to pay him to get him to stay here next year. And, you know, you're probably going to overpay him from what he would take from a smaller team. But I, it's not like he's going to be a max guy at this point in his career. You know, he's going to probably get a Ricky Rubio-like salary, 17, 18 million a year you mm-hmm. know, this, this summer. So um, I think the Wolves could do, maybe they do a two-year deal, a three-year deal with them just to, maybe they have to go an extra year from yeah. one another. He would be willing to, to give them. Um, to keep them, in. and I would take that just because even if it doesn't, if it if it flames out early, you can still trade a Kyle Lowry on that kind of a salary mm-hmm. before he gets too old, you know, because a team that wants to win next year or whatever would would make that deal. So um, that was kind of my thinking going into it. You know, you're not really giving up anything of tremendous value for our team. You're not mortgaging your future by giving up any of your young players. You're not, you know, giving up your one good signing this year and and Beasley. Mm-hmm. Who's, you know, surpass what his contract was. So you get to keep that, keep all your young pieces, you keep your two stars and you add a legit third, like Lowry's a legit third star. Yeah. Clearly. I mean, won a championship. So, um, I mean, we were, if you remember when Butler came over, he said he was going to go big game hunting to try to bring guys over with him. And Lowry was the guy we all assumed they were going to be targeting as the point guard on that team. And we happened to end up with Teague, which wasn't nearly the same. Like, but, yeah, that's big game. Right, yeah. <laughs> Keep uh, it, I don't think anything to do with that one. No, it's it just, that one ended up being a mess. But but yeah, I think there was a, a moment in time where we were dreaming of bringing in Lowry and Butler at, at the same time to to come play with Towns and Wiggins. So uh, that could have looked a lot different. I, I agree with you. I would do that trade in a second because even if the negotiations go south and Lowry doesn't want to stay, you still just clear all that money and there's nobody that right. we're losing. That's, that's a big deal. and. There are legitimately valuable players there for Toronto. I don't know what they're going to get from any contenders. Um, the only problem that I have with it and the only problem that I could see being arising is that, I mean, Lowry has earned the right to say where he wants to play next with that exactly, team. Exactly, yep. And, I, don't, and I mean, I don't see that being Minnesota. And I don't either. I, the only thing I could see is if there's, say there's only three or four teams mm-hmm. feasible to him in a trade. Like, you know, he's not going to get to go to the Lakers or the Clippers or any of these teams that are actually going to be competing um, or even on Milwaukee or somebody like that who, you know, could really use them. And so if of the three or four teams, it's like San Antonio where he could at least reunite with DeRozan for the rest of the season, you know, maybe right. they do a, a solid do him and trade him for Aldridge or yep. something. Yep. Um, so it's a, a San Antonio and maybe, you know, a couple other Sacramento and somebody, I don't, I'm just mm-hmm. making up teams. And would he be willing to, would he be more inclined to take the Minnesota trade if it was proposed and come here where he could say well that is a team i could get another contract from you maybe that's even part Mm -hmm. of the discussion maybe yeah and i have a lot more talent around me than in san antonio i mean because even though the wolves have a worse record i would still take our roster over the spurs roster in terms of now and for the future um 
And so if I'm Lowry, I would rather play on this roster. I feel like I could help turn this roster around easier than the, the San Antonio one. And I don't think DeRozan is going to stick around beyond this year anyway. So then you're both looking, you know, if that's your best friend, you're going to have to look to find a team together. And mm-hmm. I don't see that happening either. So yeah, it would just be a couple months, 35 games or whatever of or less. So by the time the trade right. deadline hits. Um, so that so, would be the only way I could see it happening. You're right, though. I mean, I'm sure it would, that list would be more than three or four teams. Mm-hmm. And once I mean, you get if, more if than if Philly three or four, comes with an offer of Danny Green and Shake Milton, is that really that much worse than Ricky Rubio and no, no. Uh, Jarek Culver? You know, so they could use him. I'm sure he'd love to go play in Philadelphia. And it's just a matter of any other team beating that offer at this point. Cause that's just, that's yeah. A, yeah. If, 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 once you get past three or four teams, yeah, th- there's going to be a team that has a, a more desirable setting than what we got that's part of the problem with all these right like that kind of guys you want are either not yep. desired in their city mm-hmm. or um wouldn't want to come here if they <laughs> and have a choice you yep. know they have a voice so all right i'm using some of the similar players except it's more of a it's half cap clearing half value play but i'm trading ricky rubio Juancho hernan gomez and Jarrett culver for andre drummond and larry nance jr and i'm buying out Andre Drummond before he even gets off the plane. So Nance, I think, would be a great fit at power forward for this team, especially with the number of bigs that, that Cleveland has. I don't I don't think they need him. I don't think they need Drummond either because they just they brought in Jared Allen. They still have Kevin Love whenever he gets healthy, and it's just a matter of figuring out where they're going to go because they're one of the few teams in the league that looks just as bad as we do right now. Um, but... Uh, I would love Nance at power forward. I think that his, his he's not a, a rim protector, but his quick hands, his ability to play team defense, and, and the way that he was actually driving the good defensive effort out of the Cleveland Cavaliers at the beginning of the season was, was something noteworthy, and I think he'd be a good veteran at, at starter next to Towns. And then Drummond is just, you know, we can clear Ricky Wancho and Culver off of the, the cap next year, and whatever it takes to not just have Drummond show up would be would be valuable, so... I don't, I, I, well, so first off, I, I actually was sitting in the, the pickup line for my kid from school and thinking, oh, I got to do a uh, Larry Nance trade for this because mm-hmm. I really like Larry Nance as well for this team. Yeah. And I totally blinked on it. He just brought it up. And even though we sort of shared a little bit of what we were doing right before we jumped on, you didn't mention that one. So I'm kind of kicking myself. I didn't <laughs> together a package for that. Um, I, I now, also now when it happens, I'm taking all the credit and you don't get any. <laughs> I also don't hate Drummond as much as you do. I mean, I, I get. I he's don't not... hate Drummond. I really liked him when he was a, for his first few years in the league, and I, yeah, I just awesome. I don't I don't see a way that he and Towns get along in a way that makes it sense for him to be here. No, but you, like if you remember all, all the way back to the to the draft, I like I still love this idea of getting two seven footers out there mm-hmm. because this team's mm-hmm. so bad defensively. The quickest way to turn around the defense is have two big guys. Right. Just no buckets at the rim. Yeah. Yep. No buckets at the rim and, and all the rebounds. Yeah. You know, and Drummond and Cat would get all the rebounds yep. and they would stop most of the buckets at the rim. So, yeah, teams are going to shoot on you, but, mm-hmm. you know, they have to be extremely hot because, we, you know, you, we still have Beasley in that scenario. We still, we, we can still, and Cat and can still shoot, you know. So, um, I, I would. Before I bought them out, I would just play with them for two weeks. Right, just, just see to if see. the two of them can play together. Yep, just to yep. see. Like, Drummond wouldn't be the long-term answer. Yeah. But let's just see what two seven-footers look like. Like, a second seven-footer next mm-hmm. to Cat, to who can be a rim protector. Because, you know, you, this one of the things we were talking about before we jumped on was, you know, how Rosas 
maybe envisions this team. And we both agreed that he's probably not likely to try to bring in a rim protector to help the defense. He's looking at more, if it's a power forward, it's not a guy that's protecting the rim. It's a guy that's just guarding power forwards on the perimeter, you know, the modern day um, fours. And a Drummond isn't to that. He's more of your, yep. you know, 90s big. Um, and I like that for the team. I'm like, I, I, I like going against the green. Because, look, we're trying the Houston system with generic players, you know, or your, or your uh, budget players in terms of talent. Like, we don't have James Harden and Chris Paul and, you know, um, all Covington and, and these guys. And so what are we going to do to that's going to be better mm-hmm. than them doing it you know, right. or better than Golden State doing it with Clay and Steph and all these other teams that, you know. You have to zig when they're zigging. Yeah. yeah. And so do go against the grain, you know, just go a bunch of big guys, especially because in the playoffs, like you saw what happened in the bubble, the teams that could be more physical, mm-hmm. you know, tended to succeed more. So, um, or, or they had, or the teams that had like one guy that was just great yeah. on one-on-one, you know, that can just break teams down. So we don't have that either. So that's the, you know, the, the, Quagmire that we're in right now. Right. So I, I, I would. Uh, the one thing I, I would, can I, say I for Drummond is that he's not soft. He's, no, I mean we've seen Minnesota teams be physically outmatched at every position for years upon years. They get bullied. They get pushed out of the way for rebounds. They can't box out. They just they don't Since match pack. up. Yeah, I mean because we've had so many young players that we don't have physically mature men on our team and. Towns should be there at this point, but it's just not his body type. It's just not the way that he plays. And I know he tries to get physical, but he gets called for a foul more often than he actually succeeds in that effort. Right. So it's, it's like the, you know, the, the slap on the guy's head when mm-hmm. he's swiping down. And I got it's like a third grade mistake. Right. That's why, you know, he's you know, swiping down. So I retweeted a quote today that was 10 years old from um, Jeff, Jeff Van Gundy saying and when they, he was asked who, what type of players he can coach, he said, soft, selfish, and stupid. You can be one of those, but you can't be two. And we get we have a lot of soft. I mean, that's the problem. We're a lot of selfish. We have, I mean, we have a lot of selfish, and we have our, our fair share of stupid. So, <laughs> uh, I, you know, it's like I'm not saying we can solve all three of those issues, especially with Andre Drummond, who's semi-selfish and semi-stupid. But at the same oh, time, like, soft is probably the biggest issue with this team because we just have a lot of soft players who don't know how to compete don't know how to body anybody yeah and i, and I don't i'm not saying all, we have guys that are all three either i don't think cat's all three of those i think cat's i don't think cat's selfish enough to be honest mm-hmm. i think he should have been piping up the minute he got back and like no what, what what is this why are guys taking just as many shots as me i should be getting right you know two-thirds of all the shots that this team takes when Delo's out and Beasley's out, and so yeah, um, I mean, Cat's not soft either, but he just—he's not soft. No, but he—he he has he, trouble he is, competing physically with the bigger centers in the league. And I don't think he's even stupid, but he gets stupid when he gets right. frustrated, yeah. right? And he—he he gets emotional pretty easy, and, and sometimes that plays in your favor. I mean, like KG was an extremely emotional guy, mm-hmm. um, but KG was also the, the furthest thing from soft, and was the not, smartest I mean, was, player on the floor in every game. Yeah, he, he, he was a. Yeah, that the type of guy Van Gundy would, yeah, you know, crawl over broken glass just to get you yeah. know the chance to coach because he was the opposite of all those things. But, um, but he was emotional and but he never let it cost him by doing making stupid mistakes. He still played within himself even mm-hmm. if he got fired up and yeah, was headbutting who he headbutt uh, Dwight Howard. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so my next one again, it's the same three guys. Yep. Um. Ricky Rubio, Jarrett Culver, and Juancho Hernan Gomez for Aaron Gordon, 
Aminu and Dwayne Bacon. And I, you know, this kind of comes from Aaron Gordon's been linked to this team for mm-hmm. since Rosas has gotten the job. Um, it's another one that I don't know how realistic it is in terms of what we're giving up, you know, to get Gordon, we may have to give up Beasley. Um, so I'm, I'm fully aware of that. And that's originally who I had in this trade, but then I just decided, nah, I don't really want to trade Beasley to only get back Aaron Gordon, even though I think Aaron Gordon's a better player. Um, I just, then it's like, okay, well now we have not, it's like we go from having too many good wings to having too many guys that can play power forward. Like I, don't get me wrong, Aaron Gordon would be the best option we would have at power forward. Mm-hmm. But now we take out our two bright spots from the season, Vanderbilt and McDaniels, right. and take them out of the positions that we sh- should be playing them in. And giving up the brightest spot, like our you know, our biggest surprise in the in the sense of the guy who um has surpassed the contract that people were sort of questioning in Beasley. So that's why I didn't want to put him in the deal. Giving up Rubio and Culver and and Wancho for him, you know, maybe Orlando says, Okay, well, we get Rubio, he can help play point guard a little bit. You know, we have a couple guys that are already doing that. Um, but Rubio's a similar player to Fultz. Mm-hmm. Um, you got Culver who may, again, he helps that team on a, uh, from a defense standpoint, like they have lots of good defenders and they have Culver, uh, Isaac, Mo Bamba, you know, they don't have a lot of offense. And, and now you're asking Vucevic to do mm-hmm. way Even too more, much on offense. Right. Yeah. Um, but to be, I kind of think that's what uh, Clifford wants to do. Like, I don't, I think he, he he's sort of the anti Rosas in that sense that he values that defense yep. over you know perimeter scoring and and offense in general. So I think it's possible that Culver would be the main guy to get back. Would Rubio be the other guy that have to be included in that, or would Beasley have to be included in that? And then maybe we're getting something more back than Aminu and Bacon with Gordon. I don't know what that would look like, but. Uh, the, the main point here is that Gordon seems to keep coming up. I don't think the Wolves are done trying to get him. And at least the one one of the good things that Rosas has about him is he doesn't give up when somebody says no. <laughs> he right. tends to find a way to make that deal. Well, once he identifies his guy, it seems like he's just going to keep going until it happens, which right. for better or worse, I, I, I don't know yet. It not necessarily has didn't necessarily pay off for D'Angelo no, Russell, but it didn't, but you know, it is at least it's refreshing in the sense that in the history of this team, you know, the the Wolves have fallen in love with players, you know, it was sort of well known, and they just oh we can't get them, so we're just gonna take uh, we're gonna go get Mike James instead, or we're gonna mm-hmm. go get somebody like that instead of you know the, the guy we the, really want, right? Yep, the guy we really want. So um, at least this in this regime, they're not making deals that prohibit them from getting the guy they really want down the road. And so at least that part I like, but yeah, you're right. The The problem is it's yet to be seen whether or not the guys they really want are the right guys for this organization. Mm-hmm. So, well, maybe we can lean on the, the Timberwolves history here because John Hammond is the GM at with Orlando and he was an assistant coach with the Timberwolves in 89, 90. So maybe there's still some connection there. You never know. Got to. You always got to bring it back. I I think it's you have to find somebody who thinks that they can be the next one that that pulls one over on the Timberwolves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, so you threw out your trade and you had Wancho, Ricky, and Culver. Um, ESPN had a very similar idea in their five big trades we'd like to see article recently. Um, they suggested that the the Wolves trade Culver, Wancho, and Layman to get Aaron Gordon. And I, 
once again, that doesn't seem like enough to me. I mean, it's coming from a different source. It's highly reputable. So maybe it's a little bit more realistic than I thought. Maybe Orlando is just that excited to get off of Aaron Gordon's contract. But but that instead pushes Minnesota into the luxury tax for a second straight season. Um, and unless unless somebody can sell Glenn Taylor on bringing in Aaron Gordon makes this franchise more valuable in a sale i don't see how he signs off and going into the tax for a second straight year unless they well, can find an, another ancillary deal to, that's what i was saying it, they could they could easily find a deal to you know package one of their younger assets mm-hmm. just to get out from because at this point you don't, you don't need both mcdaniels and vanderbilt if you're going to get aaron gordon right because right. one of them's not going to play anyway right yep. so maybe you maybe vanderbilt becomes a guy that you can package with a Ed Davis or a mm-hmm. was Ed Davis in that trade or I don't nope. remember who the third nope. one. Is. So layman, yeah, you, yeah, la, yeah, layman. Um, so you got you could pack your Vanderbilt with one one other smaller contract just to get you below the luxury tax, and you know I think that'd be easy enough for them to figure out. I think they have enough moves like that, you know, because that's the problem with this or, this team right now. I think is watching them. It's like even on a game like last night where you get so frustrated with how badly they play. Mm-hmm. There's nobody on the team that's individually where you say, well, yeah, I'd give them up for nothing. Oh, I know Wancho's <laughs> that guy for you. But even for me, like, I, like you know, covers the odd man out for me. But I, I, I wouldn't just give him up for nothing because I do still see there's, you know, the skills that he brings, the, the athleticism and, and stuff that where I think he could be a good player. It's just in our system. So it's like it's this weird thing for this exercise that we have to do. We have to like, okay, what do we want in terms of coming back? And what mm-hmm. do we want coming back that fits what? Rosas is trying to build right. because that's two different things for me right now because most of the guys I like don't fit this this um this system. I mean, I like Aaron Gordon, but I you know it's some some of these other guys like the PJ Tucker's of the world. I just don't know what he would do for this team, and I, I don't know. I haven't heard the Wolves link to him in a while now. So no, not since dead, they but, went off the cliff. I mean, you heard him yeah, linked yeah. when early on this season when right they or still thought they had right potential. Before, right. Yeah. Yep. Right. So, well, my next trade has 17 players, so I'm going to let you get in any more uh, out of the way that you you, you might, might have come up with. Well, I have two more. Okay. And they, they're, they're both similar. Um, well, the first one's way less plausible, but it's like the home run if we can make it sure, work. Sure, let's so do it. I read a, um, the beginning of last week on one of these rumor board sites. So I don't know. I don't even remember who the source was to, to know how realistic it is, but that Dallas was putting out feelers on Porzingis mm-hmm. um, that they just, I mean, they're underachieving clearly. And so they were like, well, I wonder what we could get for him. So what my deal was, was Ricky Rubio, Malik Beasley and Anthony Edwards for Christoph Porzingis and Josh Richardson, who was also hadn't been around because of COVID and stuff, mm-hmm. but was mm-hmm. sort time. of underperforming. Yeah. But he, the last couple games since then, or since I read that, so it might've been two weeks ago that he's kind of picked it up a little bit. So, he might not be the guy that they throw in there, but the thought here is they get Beasley, another shooter, mm-hmm. and then Edwards will be, for, from a wing standpoint, an awesome compliment to Luca because you got Luca could run the point, and yeah. you have Beasley and Edwards as the two wing players. Um, you have an extremely large team. I mean, you don't have a big man, but like I don't really think you need a big man on that team when you're so big mm-hmm. around the perimeter. Um, that it would be a really fun team to watch. I mean, it would be sort of a science experiment on how they do actually on the court. But they have Powell, who they they still really yep, like. Yep. They have other bigs. But, yeah, yeah. They have Cleveland, so, and... and then we have another big man, which I don't think Rosas is interested in. However, Porzingis is sort of that unicorn like Cat is, where he can shoot. He's a better defender than Cat, 
Um, and what would that look like? Again, back to my sort of infatuation of trying to get two bigs together, right? And uh, so, I mean, I you know, and he's the best player out of that group. So clearly, mm-hmm. you know, we win that way. And Richardson, you know, I'm not, I like Richardson, but um, he would be the wing. We would need a wing back. That's why I put him in there because we're giving up two yeah. of ours, Beasley yep. and Edwards. Our two starters, and, yep. Yeah, and so we would need one one of those, one come back. And I think Richardson is, you know, a, a solid enough player that he can start for the next handful of years for mm-hmm. you until, you know, maybe McDaniels ends up becoming your your three of the future. Yep. And now you have a really big team, you know, starting with D'Lo at point, you have whoever you end up between the, the shooting guards and small four, but you have Richardson and you have mm-hmm. McDaniels, say, and then you have Porzingis and Cat. I mean, that's yeah, a really a long team. a lot of length on that team, yep. yeah. Yeah. And so, and you still have a lot, uh, some, some shooters, Richardson and Przingis are both defenders, um, or can defend. Mm-hmm. So it would be, uh, again, pipe dream, but I mean, but as we it. mentioned at the beginning, it Beasley and Edwards is where you have to start. If you're, if you're a star hunting, you know, and yep. Porzingis, I don't know if he, I, he wouldn't even be at the same level as a, a Simmons or a, a Booker at the, no, at this point I, of his career. Yeah. I think he's the next, yeah. next level down, which is why I don't think you have to throw in first round picks. Right at least multiples, mm-hmm. um, maybe you have to get in one in there, but you know, they get a 19 year old yeah. Edwards. They gave up a lot less for him to get him in the first place. So exactly. Yeah. And I, you know, I think they would do well and they still get Rubio who, you know, can be their, mm-hmm. their Berea who they don't have anymore. I mean, I think Rubio is a hell of a lot better than JJ Berea, but well, he uh, was when Berea was finishing fourth quarters over him in the Adelman days too. So, yeah, right. Um, but so they get him as sort of their backup point guard and, you know, either Rubio can resign there on a much cheaper deal mm-hmm. or they have that coming off the books or they could trade it next year or whatever. You know, they, they could still add another star with that contract right. you know, next year. So they have a lot of options with that. And then, you know, you have these guys around Luca that, you know, I mean, I can't even imagine the alley-oops that Luca could throw up to Edwards, you know, because yeah. it's like, what do you do if you're coming, if those two are coming down and you two on one? I mean, which guy do you pick up? Like, it's, it, it's uh, tricky. So. I don't see it being unrealistic. It would just take Dallas being ready to to make that move. So, right. um, so yeah. I mean, if that's the shoot for the moon trade, I think it's a much more realistic shoot for the moon trade than trade than a lot of the ones that we've seen out of Wolves fandom this year. So, I like it. I think it's. I mean, I don't want to trade Beasley and Edwards, but if you get a chance to to bring in Porzingis as your third star and see where that goes, and then Rosas is out. If it doesn't work, then let's shoot for the moon. See what happens. <laughs> nice. So I have one last one, mm-hmm. um, and your your seventeen player ones, your last one. Yep, yep. Okay. So this one is a three team deal and in eight players, and this was sort of the result of the game last night. This is my blow it all to hell. Yeah. Start over, and it's to be honest with you, even looking at it, I mean, this was really my e- emotions getting mm-hmm. the better of me because it's I'm not even really liking what the return is. Um, but we're trading away Carl Anthony Towns, D'Angelo Russell, and Ed Davis. Okay. Um. And in the trades of the other two teams are Phoenix and New Orleans. And so what we get back is uh, Aiton, uh, Lonzo Ball, and Steven Adams, who we just would waive mm-hmm. um, or buy. I mean, maybe we let them play out the rest of the year or whatever. And we get a, a Phoenix first-round pick. And then Phoenix trades DeAndre Aiton, Jay Crowder, and Dario Sarge plus the first-round pick. And then they get back Towns. And Ed Davis. So it's a little bit steep. I mean, they're giving up a former number one pick, but they're giving up you know, Crowder and Sarge, I don't think are huge give-ups to get somebody like Colonel mm-hmm, Anthony Towns. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and you're really making, you know, your your best player Booker extremely happy because you're bringing in one of his best friends. And then New Orleans trades out Stephen Adams and Lonzo Ball, and they get back D'Lo and then Jay Crowder and Dario Saric. Um, so they're sort of for this to happen. I think New Orleans would have to be convinced that Lonzo Ball is not the right guy for them. Like yep. they want more scoring out of that position. And I think D'Lo gives them that, and he's still just as young as Lonzo is, or relatively close. Um, and then you get two veterans that can kind of help complement what um, Zion does, right? And Crowder and Dario. Dario's, you know, can shoot a little bit. I mean, he's and Crowder's kind of a utility infielder. He can play some defense. He can score. Um, you know, and then Phoenix, you know, gets obviously that we talked about Towns and, and Booker, Davis, whatever that, you know, he's just a rotational big mm-hmm. to them then. Um, and then for the Wolves, the new look Wolves, you know, eight and ball, ball becomes your new point guard. It, it, you really completely change. This is almost like blow it up. And and with this trade, Rosas is fired. <laughs> you got a new GM coming in. It's a completely different system. It's, you know, cause ball's not the guy for this system. Aiton's not the guy for this system. Mm-hmm. But then you get another first round pick. You keep. Anthony Edwards, and you're sort of starting to build around him, um, him and Aiton become your two, your sort of your focal point with Ball as sort of your yeah. third guy right now. But eventually he'd be your fourth guy. You'd have a third star, whether it's the first one. Maybe you can swing that Phoenix first round pick then to Golden State so that they have a hundred percent chance of getting that pick this year mm-hmm. versus the sixty percent chance of getting your pick. Now the only, I don't know. So if they the only hesitancy i run across on this i mean there are lots of hesitancies like you said you you don't even like it anymore but um the biggest problem that i see from from a minnesota side is that steven adams has two more years left after this one at 55 million combined so so that's bringing him back on that he is now your new max contract and if he's the if he's the only max contract you have on your team that's a that's a a rough go of it but yeah and and, any trade that sends out towns and and delo and doesn't you're, restock it with yeah yeah it's going to be a you're just starting over you're clearing the deck and everything and you're and you're paying ball this summer yep and Aiton, he's got one more year left on his rookie deal is uh, that right so this is his third year so he'd have one more year left and then he could play out his fifth year on a qualifying offer if he yeah. if he needed you'd to probably extend him next year yeah. if you want to keep him um so yeah, so I was just so yep. it probably could still work because you know you would have the money until yeah, you know, and then when Adams expires, mm-hmm. you're good to go um, on eight, and then and by that time you're you're locking up Edwards, you know, a couple yep. years down the road too. So um, it could still work, I think, that way. But I don't know what Adams. I mean, Adams would probably well. Here's when you talk about guys that aren't soft. Adams helps that right, right. away <laughs> easily. The problem is you got Aiton and Adams both. Mm-hmm. I mean, Adams can't play the heavy minutes that he used to, probably. Um, That's a lot of money so, locked up into the center position, though. It is. Yep. In a position that most teams yeah, are sort of... Kind of punch on. on. Yep. Yeah. So. so. Well, I like where your head's at because I have some of the same players in my deal. Mine is also a we're starting over trade. So we are giving up Carl Anthony Towns, D'Angelo Russell, Ricky Rubio, Jared Culver, Ed Davis, and Juancho Hernan Gomez. So we're, we're sending out six different players. There are three other teams involved in this deal, including the Sacramento Kings, the Cleveland Cavaliers, and the New Orleans Pelicans. So let's start from the Timberwolves side. They send out those six players. They are getting back. Tyrese Halliburton as your A1 chip. Marvin Bagley. Lonzo Ball, just because I knew that would make you happy. Rashawn Holmes. 
Andre Drummond, Eric Bledsoe, J.J. Redick, and two first-round picks in 2021 and 2023 from Sacramento. So I lost track. How many players is that coming? Seven back. Six out, seven seven back. Yep. Okay. So new guard rotation is largely Lonzo and uh, Halliburton coming in. You still have Beasley. You still have Edwards. um, But both of our, you know, Ricky and Russell are out, so they're kind of being replaced by those two. You're bringing in... Uh, JJ's probably getting bought out so he can play with a contender. Drummond is probably the same. Um, oh, and then Eric Bledsoe. So he's also in that guard rotation. So all of a sudden we're, we're very heavy on guards and Bledsoe's the only one that, uh, is a veteran and extends past this year. So he's got two years left after this one, but to make the money work, he had to kind of be included. So, uh, but I've always liked Bledsoe. I've always been a fan of the way he, he plays defense and I think he's more valuable on offense and especially for a team that's not going to be looking to be in the conference finals anytime soon so well it's funny because i knew i know you like bledsoe and i was doing what you were doing with ball mm-hmm. i was trying to find a deal to include bledsoe <laughs> yeah but it was is tricky and then sacramento's tricky in general too because like atlanta they don't have a lot of big contracts no they don't to... but they were a team that i was looking at because if there's going to be a team that you're going to trade towns to it's got to be another team that has some good young players but they also have another blue chip player that they feel like team, teaming Towns with would push them over the top to be willing to trade their young players and picks to get them. Mm-hmm. You know, it, Towns should bring back as much as you can get from another team. So the two picks that I put in there might not even be enough, but I don't know, you know, I don't know exactly how it all work out. So the Kings I have sending out uh, Halliburton, Bagley, Holmes, and uh, Bielitsa, and Buddy Heald as well as those two picks because healed at this point, I believe is, you know, he's got 24 million a year for three more years after this one. And I, I think they would get rid of him if they could, they just don't want to pay yeah. the money anymore. He's already what? 27 or 28. Too. Yeah. Bielitsa is somebody that they, they're just looking to get something for before he expires. Um, so really for them. And then Holmes is also an expiring. So I really like him as a center. I think he's a good big man, but he's, he's a 5 million a year expiring contract. So, it's Halliburton, Bagley, and then the two first-round picks to bring in Towns. And they also get Culver, Hernan Gomez, and Davis, but those are just roster fillers at that point. So I don't think that's an over-the-top price to pay for Carl Anthony Towns. If, if I mean, maybe you know you love Halliburton and what he's produced this year, but he's still only 30 games into his rookie year, and he was picked 10th, 11th, whatever it was this right, last, right. last draft. So um, you hope that he's a, a Shea Gilgis alexander type player coming back and you team him with edwards and you you know let them run with Bledsoe and you figure out what ball is going to do like we said he's an expiring contract maybe he doesn't stick around maybe he's the odd man out but um but for the kings i don't think that's too much to pay especially if you're going to contact them maybe it's not exactly where towns wants to go but if he gets to go play with darren fox and the two of them can figure something out because i I think fox is better than delo then you know, that could be a fun run. And I, the Kings seem like another team that's equally as desperate to try to break because they now have the longest playoff drought, you know, since Minnesota got in. So if they could put two stars together, that seems to make sense for them. Yep. Yeah, I can. I definitely can see it from Sacramento. I don't mm-hmm. think it's too much at all. I think um, I think with Halliburton, they're sort of playing with house money. He, he's yeah. better than he's not better than well. There are lots of people said that he was going to be this good. So, um, you know, I, teams probably should have expected more out of them, mm-hmm. but I don't think Sacramento expected him to be this good. And so for them to give up him and Bagley, Bagley's been a guy that they're sort of, it's hard to get a read on. Do they like him? Do they hate him? You know, cause it's, he's, his name's come up a couple times over the last couple of years. Um, so if that's what you're, 
primarily giving up. I, like you said, I don't think healed. They even look. It's like a Wiggins for us. Giving up Wiggins wasn't right a problem to get. It didn't matter if it was D'Lo or for somebody else. It wouldn't have mattered. Like let's put it this way: if we, we got we got value up, with Andrew not being here. Is right. what we got. Yeah. If we would have traded him last, traded Wiggins last year for Rubio, mm-hmm. I think everyone would have been just as excited as they were. Right. About D'Lo, you know. Um, the pick is what it costs to move from Rubio to D'Lo. Yeah. Right. Right. And so um, I think for Sacramento, same thing with Heald. And so you're really just talking about Bagley and Halliburton and I mean, mm-hmm. and the picks, but you're, you're expecting like every team, like the Wolves did when they traded their pick to get D'Lo, you're like, wow, what does that pick mean? Cause it's going to be the 25th, 26th pick, you know, yep. like they're going to assume they're going to be a playoff team. Yep. With those um, two guys. Yeah. Yep. So like your your optimism is at an all time high the day you make that trade. So mm-hmm. I don't think the picks are a, a, a roadblock either. So I think it's it's realistic. Yeah. So then Cleveland, it's similar to the trade we previously previously talked about, where they're sending out Drummond um, to Minnesota. They're also sending out Matthew Dellavedova to New Orleans just to make the roster sizes work. Uh, but they're getting back Rubio, Bielitsa, and Jackson Hayes from New Orleans. So they're, they're getting even, even more value than the previous proposal that I had in sending out. Less, they're not even sending out a um, who was a power forward, Larry Nance Jr. anymore. So, but they're also getting Bielitsa back. So, I mean, maybe it's too many bigs, but that's a lot more value, yeah, especially so, with Jackson Hayes. Let's say they get Hayes back at center, and then they get um, Rubio at point guard with Garland and Sexton. Mm-hmm. So they just yep. have too many players at that point, which is the only the only stopper. But they're sending out things they don't even want, you know, to right, to do right. it. So maybe yep. they flip those pieces, they bring in a fifth team, whatever it happens to be. Yeah. Um, and then the Pelicans are where you kind of you got to look at it. and You got to try to figure out if, if it's the direction that they want to go. But for uh, Jackson Hayes, Lonzo Ball, Eric Bledsoe and J.J. Redick, which are some good players, but nobody that I unless they really believe over these last 10 games that Lonzo's turned a corner and he's part of their long term future. Um, I don't know if it's anybody that is a deal breaker for them. They're getting back D'Angelo Russell, Buddy Heald. Uh, Matthew Dellavedova and the the 2025 Sacramento first round pick probably coming from Minnesota to, to get them into this trade. So um, you're really like, going, you're going all shooting. You're going all offense with Zion. Saying, and healed with, with Zion. Yep. And they still have Adams and you still have Adams guys. as center. Yep. So they got, they got two guys that aren't perimeter guys who are both really good players mm-hmm. inside. And then you're surrounding them with shooters. I think that's the best team of the three when the trade's done. Right. It's the best team in, of the three going into the trade, too. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but, um, you know, I think they're, I actually think for of the three teams, that team improves the most. Yeah. I think, enough. I mean, it's, it just depends on fit. It depends on how they're going to work around them. Because if you just take looking at straight numbers for how they perform this year or yeah. overall meshing of how, what the potential is for a, <laughs> all offense team those are question marks but yeah because they have guys from all the different teams mm-hmm. it's like they're not getting two or three guys two or three main pieces from one team you know so they're so you don't know how D'Lo and heel will work together right but i mean it, it, with ingram and zion there too like there's there's only one ball that's that's yep. the biggest challenge with what they have yeah, left. that's true yeah and that's where alonzo might fit better but they don't have a lot of perimeter scoring right now and mm-hmm. that that could create problems for Zion down the road, of you know, especially when they get to be a playoff team and their defenses are able to kind of focus in on him and um, sort of stop what he's doing. The, you know, him and Ingram. I mean, Ingram's a little bit more um, well-rounded in terms of he can do more 
than just scoring the paint. But, you know, having those extra guards, I think, would, you know, particularly like healed because he's a spot up shooter. I mean, he's a really expensive guy to be that yeah. role. For, yeah. But, you know, that's that's what you're you're not giving up anything of your core to get him. So, no. And then, you know, so, I mean, if you're looking at which team probably says no today, it's it's Minnesota easily because we're we're making these trade offers based off of our frustration with the current roster right, and the right. success but you're not trading towns but i don't know if you're looking at a situation where they've decided that towns moving towns is the best decision for the future because it allows you to reset with the young guys you probably want to move russell at the same time rubio doesn't make sense anymore and then i mean maybe you want to keep culver around but there's going to be so many other but mouths to feed in terms of that young player development that he's not he's going to be the odd man out again so um, yeah. And to me, for me, that's, that's, uh, if I'm the wolves, I don't do that trade just because you don't know what the first round picks are going to be yet. Right. So yeah, yeah. Towns is so much better than all the other guys in the trade that, you know, you mm-hmm. always, that's the old rule. Like if you want the best, you want the player, dollar back. Yep. Yep. And so that's the, the toughest part for me is just giving up towns and that, I mean, I like all the players that are coming back, just not enough to give up towns. And that's kind of what happened with my similar one with mm-hmm. the Phoenix blow up thing is um i like deandre Ayton, but i don't like him enough to give up towns even if it i mean because really the other guys ball and adams are sort of the for the deal and i get i get a first round pick from phoenix but i know it's gonna be a crummy pick because i think phoenix might end up with the best record in basketball if you swap deandre Ayton for carl anthony towns i just Mm -hmm. think towns is better you know that much better than Ayton for that team um so, but in, in your scenario, you know, it is a complete rebuild. It's a start over for the Wolves. So it, I think similar to mine, it would have to come with Rosas being fired. Right. <laughs> and, a, and a new guy coming in saying, nope, change of direction. So, yeah, I mean, the, the bet that I'm, you know, you would make with mine is, is, is no matter who the GM making the trade is, is that a Towns and Deer and Fox combo still led by Luke Walton is not a winning team the same way that the current Timberwolves are not a winning team. Right. You know, Sacramento talks themselves into bringing in the best player on their team, a player even better than their current star. And they think that pairing those two players is going to bring them to new heights and possibly they just don't mesh. And that's, that's a bet you have to take because then those two picks do become valuable and you add those to Edwards and Halliburton and whatever happens with Bagley and McDaniels and, you know, the rest of the roster that you have around it. So, but you're right. It is starting over. It's Rosas admitting that whatever model he had, whatever vision he had for this team just was a complete failure and it's somebody else. So, and, that, and that's the part for me too, is like the, like you said, the, the A1 asset you're getting back is Halliburton. And I don't, I like Halliburton a lot. I liked him even in the draft, mm-hmm. but I don't know if I like him. I don't think he's ever going to be the same level star player that even Towns is now. Right. And so, you have to rely on one of those picks to get that that player back, right? If you're going to get it, so um, that would be the the, the uh, sticking point for me. And but you know, this, you also put in the scenario: what if uh, what if Towns is demanding a trade, mm-hmm. and that might be the best value we can get back if we're actually going to trade them out? Because right, Sacramento seemed like one of the few teams that could actually have pieces to trade and would be interested in making a deal like that. Yep. Yeah. Because when I started looking at my blowed up deal, it was hard to find dance partners. Mm-hmm. It is. It is <laughs> it, for any team. It, it, in, in particular, because Towns, as as a star, he's a center. 
And all the other teams that are good right now, mm-hmm. most of them have centers. You know, you got Davis, you got um, Embiid, and you got Jokic, yep. and you, got, you know, so all the other good teams have either centers or big man. I mean, Gian, or he's playing at power forward. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, yeah, it's tricky. Like who? Who is close enough? It'd be Portland would probably be the team that I was thinking of. It's like, okay, well, what if they got Towns? They, their problem's still defense, so that doesn't really help them. But what would? I mean, getting Towns if, would be great for Portland. But what are they giving up for Towns? Unless you're including yeah. McCollum in the deal, and at that point, it doesn't even make sense. I for would, you wouldn't want to do it for Minnesota. Yeah. That's what I'm getting at for the trade. That that's what would have had to be right. They're not yeah. giving up Lillard because then it then what's the point of bringing in Towns? I mean, yeah. you're trying to pair Lillard with. I mean, Matt and Lillard's better than Towns at this point. So well, he is for sure. Yeah, and, and so. Um, you're not going to give up and he's, and he's a hero. I mean, like, yeah, he's hugely I mean, popular. He, he's right. their Kevin Garnett is what he is. Right. Yeah, he is exactly that. And so you're looking to bring in a guy that can compliment him. And I think, I think you're right. Towns compliments would be a great, I mean, especially if you can keep um, Covington there, mm-hmm. you know, and then you have that relationship and he can be your sort of glue guy, your defense guy. He's starting to figure it out there now as well. So McCollum has to be the guy, but yeah, there's just not enough. No, I mean, it's, it would still have to be a win now trade for Minnesota, bringing back McCollum and a Nurkic and maybe even maybe a Zach Collins. But yeah, it just doesn't you don't get to reset that way. You're yep. just trying yep. to flip the deck and see what you can do without a blue chipper. Yep, And maybe maybe you could do Towns to New Orleans and get bring back a Ingram. Maybe, and maybe yeah. they think that a Towns and Zion might be a really interesting combo because mm-hmm. um, Towns can be that outside. In. Yeah. It. Yep. yeah, yeah, I get it. Um, so but, it's, I mean, yeah, it's tough. There aren't a lot of teams, and I mean, if you ever put towns in the block, teams would make ways, figure out ways to to make offers. It wouldn't. They might completely change. A good team yeah. might even completely change their makeup just to be able to get in on that talent sweepstakes. I mean, I don't know what they'd offer, but can because they don't have any picks left after trading for Drew Holiday. But can you imagine Milwaukee flipping out Brook Lopez yeah. for Carl Anthony Towns? Yeah, I mean, yeah. that'd be so nuts. You'd figure something out, is but it's just a matter of who is a team that has the assets and the young pieces, but also would want them. And it's, there aren't a lot, so it's, it's tough, but, but yeah, you know, we, we got to, we got to our 17 player, four team trades and uh, the trade deadline is 21 days away, three more weeks. Uh, we will be back next week with a historical episode to recap uh, the 1989, 1990 season. We'll give out year end awards. We'll, we'll take a look at who the, the best performers, the worst performers and who were really stepped up on that team. Um, and then two weeks, we'll kind of we'll bring it back. We'll give one more rundown of how our current Minnesota Timberwolves team is looking before we, we kind of close out season one here. So we, we want to thank everybody for sticking with us here at Howl History. It's been a fun first season as we walk through 1989-90. And we, we also take our, take a shot at following along with the, the current Minnesota Timberwolves, even, even with all their struggles. So uh, stick with us. We'll be back for a couple more episodes. And then after a short break, we'll be back for season two as we dive into 1990, 1991. So, uh, we will be back next week and we'll talk to you then. Chad, enjoy your weekend. You too, man. Take care. Have a good night. All right, buddy. Talk to you later. Yep. See ya. Bye. Bye.